You're listening to the Pedal Pumping Podcast, the podcast that explores and celebrates all things pedal pumping. I'm your host, Mimi Footnip, and I'm a pedal pumping content creator and foot model. Check out my website, mimifootnip.com for more about me. I'm also kind of a history nerd, and we're going to get into that in today's episode. Uh, but before we do, I want to thank my patrons, John B., Riker, Old Dirty Bot, Not a Golfer, Eric J., Crinking Fan, Rocket Man, Havaianas Fan, Austin, Joe, Classic, Gas Pedals, JB, and Michael. Thanks so much, you guys, for your support of the podcast. Super duper appreciated. Even more during this last, I don't know, month or so of being ill. It's really meant a lot to have your your support and have you sticking by me. So thank you so, so much. We are back to our regular weekly schedule. I knock on wood. (laughs) That's the plan anyway. Um, So I just have a couple updates and then I want to talk about some historical stuff because last week I was sort of musing about that and I decided to do a little digging on the interwebs to see if I could come up with a little bit more concrete information. And I did, and I wanna share it with you guys. Also, I want to invite anyone who is listening who would like to send me an email about pedal pumping to be read on the podcast to do so at uh, mimifootnip at gmail.com. You are more than welcome to share your thoughts and ideas and perspectives about pedal pumping. I'm always interested in learning more. I mean, I feel like pedal pumping uh, is as varied as individuals that are interested in pedal pumping. So there's just so much there, right? There's so much richness in our community that is worth taking a look at and diving into. So if you have your own particular things with pedal pumping, even if it's something you've heard before, still, I'd like to hear from you. So please email me. Um, another thing is I am really excited because in a previous episode, I'm not sure it was a while back, uh, somebody wrote in about driving loafers. Do you guys remember this about driving loafers? And I was saying how I like loafers and I like, um, I like, what are they called? Yeah, I guess they are. They're like kind of the penny loafer style shoe or, um, but I was saying I don't own driving loafers and uh, I got a custom cranking video order and the person who is commissioning that video is also sending me a pair of driving loafers to use in the video and I'm super excited to get a pair of driving loafers. So that's something that I'm very much looking forward to and can't wait to do a little cranking in them. I'm going to be cranking the Mercury Grand Marquee, Marky Mark, in um, the driving loafers. So just wanted to share because you guys, if you know me, you know that I love shoes and I have a pretty extensive shoe collection there's always room for another pair and there's certainly room for a pair of driving lovers. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. Um, I also wanted to kind of throw back to an episode where we were talking about lipstick and I was saying that I have this thing with lipstick and lip gloss and like 
always wearing something, some color, some shine, some some glossy stickiness on my lips. I love it. And um, so I've done videos in the past where, typically cranking videos, I believe, where I've gotten in the car and I've applied lipstick. And I've decided that that's something that I do naturally anyway. I think that's why I have included it in a few videos. But I've decided since um, there's at least one person out there that likes to see that, I'm, I feel like I've got the green light to do a little bit more lipstick in my videos. So you might be seeing that just uh, not really doing anything with it except just applying lipstick. Kind of like, you know, tilting that rear view mirror down and applying a little lipstick and then I'm on my way. Or I'm not on my way if I'm cranking the car and it's not starting. You know, I replaced the battery in the Mercury, but it I don't drive it every day. And so every time I go out to start it, it just gives me hell and it cranks and doesn't always start right away. Sometimes I even have to jump start it. So, <laughs> so that is um, another little update. Just I wanted to share um, lipstick. <laughs> and then I want to get into some of the research I've done. So I've got some stuff. Um, one of the things that I was speculating about was like spinning thread or creating like yarn for fabric and this is like a really ancient human thing and the basics of spinning yarn is you take like a clump of fibers it could be plant fibers it could be animal fibers like silk or wool right like some sort of fiber and you kind of tease and twist them into like a string shape and you can use a spinner, which will kind of help pull and twist it to make the, the string or the thread longer and longer and to kind of control the thickness. Now, eventually, a wheel was designed, kind of like a free-moving wheel, so you could spin um, thread by hand or by foot, kind of reaching out and like turning it, but eventually, uh, a mechanism was created that would let a person, typically a woman, simply push a pedal and keep the wheel turning at an even and more constant rate so she could control the spinning. And that mechanism was the main source of the technological process for the spinning wheel before the 18th century. It was in 1533 a citizen of Brunswick, Germany, is said to have added a treadle by which the spinner could rotate her spindle with one foot and have both of her hands free to spin. So can you imagine? Now she's able to kind of um, like hold the, the fibers and spin them into thread by using her foot to kind of pump and rotate this spindle and keep it going at a constant speed and creating like a, a thread or a piece of yarn of like even thickness. So it's a pretty, pretty significant uh, mechanization, but it was only in 1533. So that's not that long ago in terms of, you know, human history as a whole. And then, so that was spinning. I was kind of talking about spinning 
thread, to make textile, to make fabric. The other thing is looms, weaving looms, right? You've got all this thread, now you can weave cloth or weave fabric. So the invention of the horizontal treadle loom with a horizontally stretched warp is attributed to China. This is where it's first documented in the second century BC. And from there, the knowledge of its use spread over time toward the West and during the early Middle Ages, Europe became acquainted with this new type of weaving device. This changed everything. The treadle loom became established fairly quickly. I mean, of course, right? It's like, whoa, you can pump it with your foot and it gradually replaced the earlier used vertical loom with its vertically stretched warp. So this allowed you to be hands-free or you know you could use your hand, you're using your feet to pump the loom. Uh, the oldest preserved parts of a horizontal loom in Europe date back to the 11th century and they come from Polish, Russian, and German roots. So basically, we've got uh, early, early spinning and tech in the textile industry, which is dominated primarily by women spinning fibers into threads and then weaving threads into cloth. Uh, cloth was used for obviously things like clothing and bed sheets but it was also used for like sails on ships i mean uh for making huge sacks of uh you know like grain to transport or store commerce a lot i mean human civilization really like textiles is kind of the earliest industry that's my understanding in terms of like the um anthropological kind of oriented books that I've I've read or listened to I like to listen to audio, audiobooks a lot but like you know basically textiles is um really like a very early part of you know human manufacturing of something and so from there and so so those kinds of um pedals that people would pump to create some momentum and help with things like spinning and weaving um, seems and then and then later sewing so this is all like within the textile industry right but then things become more mechanized in the industrial revolution where we have things like steel and um, you start getting more like mechanized machinery. Eventually we get cars, right? And you start getting more sophisticated um, foot pumps or foot uh, pedals that will operate machinery. And I think that's what leads into kind of what most people think of pedal pumping today generally has to do with cars. I also read a book, now this is kind of coming from memory, I didn't research this recently, this was maybe like one to two years ago, a book that talked about, um, it, it was really a book more about like gender, how we kind of code everything with gender as like masculine or feminine. So let me give you an example of that, like pilots 
when when I when I say the word pilot, you're probably you probably think of a male. That's the first thing that comes to mind is like a man. If I say flight attendant, that's coded typically as female, like a female job. Not always, of course, there are male uh, flight attendants and female pilots, but we, we tend to code things, whether it's like a, a job or a task or an object as being either like a manly thing or a womanly thing, feminine or masculine. So in this book, they talked about automobiles and how when the automo automobile was first invented, there were lots of different people trying to come up with basically um, a for like something like an engine to power the car. We were trying to replace horses, right? We used to ride around in little carriages. You know, a car is a, car a carriage, C-A-R-R, -R, right? I-A-G-E. Car comes from the word carriage. Um, what was a horse and carriage, but now we just have the horseless carriage or just the car. It's been shortened down to car. Okay, so you've got these cars, and if you don't have a horse, we need some alternative horsepower. So a lot of different things were, were tried, and there was um, like the combustion engine, which sort of won over, but there were steam engines, there were, there were um, electric cars, there were all kinds of different stuff. And these cars were being created and sold, you know, tested on the market, manufactured, and electric cars in like the 1800s were um, marketed typically for women. And it's so interesting. So electric cars were really clean. And sometimes they'd even have like crystal vases in the, or vases if you're fancy. Um, like a crystal vase and they would, I don't know if you've ever been to like an old car museum, but I've seen some of these cars and they are really quite cool. Um, but they, they were very clean uh, compared to a crank car. Remember the old cars, you'd have to hand crank them. They were really greasy and dirty with oil and there were a lot of injuries and women didn't really like that so much. It was kind of hard um, and and dirty and but men kind of took a liking to those cars and they sort of won out the market because back then you know men were the main um women women didn't have a lot of paid i mean they worked a lot but their labor wasn't typically paid labor right so part of the problem with bringing electric cars back is a lot of people a lot of uh culturally we have this idea that cars are kind of like electric cars are like for pussies right it's like and pussy being a derogatory thing here not a good yummy thing right so it's like oh it's electric cars are somehow coded as like feminine or female and therefore less right because we live in a patriarchal society that says men are superior to women i mean i don't personally subscribe to that but i do have internalized misogyny and patriarchy like we all do because we live in a patriarchal society so there, that's unavoidable but where am I going with this I am going to say that electric cars have been around since car the beginning of cars the beginning of automobiles but it's this masculine form of the car that kind of won out which is a combustion engine car and uh, so when you see electric cars 
if you know depending on your attitude or how you feel about electric cars just remember women are gonna rule the world <laughs> we're taking over okay and hybrids you can think of a hybrid car maybe as like a non-binary <laughs> it's a little of both a little combustion little electric i don't know or battery powered i guess um <laughs> i don't know i'm just trying to make some funny analogies but basically I think that there, so this, this kind of male coded car that gained popularity and sort of took over the, the car market uh, was the combustion engine. And of course, cars have pedals. And so then when women started, you know, kind of doing battle with these greasy, dirty cars that were kind of dangerous, and eventually there were, you know, we, the, the starter was created like a, a key starter so you don't have to go out and crank the car to get it to start like literally turn like hand, the hand crank right uh, so I'm trying to say that sorry I get I kind of get excited about stuff like this um, imagine like going out and having a beer with me and just listening to me ramble for hours and hours about like all these tangential topics Finally, I'm going to circle back to say that I think that there have always, since pedals have been um, used to mechanize things and cars, especially cars um, that were coded as male, and then you've got this, you know, kind of like Victorian era woman, you know, maybe showing her ankle a little bit oh my and like you know pumping that pedal to get the car started um yeah I can I just feel like maybe in my mind that's kind of how pedal pumping probably really peaked um because I think that while like um like a pedal like a treadle or um a pedal like on a a a loom or a spinning wheel could be very sexy. I think that there's something really erotic for a lot of guys about seeing a woman engaging with machinery that is coded, like socially is coded as male. I don't think that guys enjoy, and I could be wrong. I would love to be wrong about this. Let me know if you're, if you have knowledge or experience of that kind of is in the other direction, but it seems to me that like one of the things that people love about men, especially love about pedal pumping is the battle between it's that gender dynamic. It's like a battle, a woman. Now, of course, pedal pumping isn't always done by women, but like in the kind of broadest, most stereotypical sense, like, a woman doing battle with a machine, a mechanized thing that is coded as male. I have a sneaking suspicion that that part of it is what makes it kinky and sexy and like titillating and just like a little bit taboo, a little bit like breaking norms, a little like she's in, 
she's manipulating or controlling this car, you know, stepping on the gas pedal and then the engine, this masculine thing that's coded like a combustion engine coded as masculine in society is like responding to that. And she's, you know, what she does with her foot controls it. So I'm guessing that, I don't know, I guess I'm bringing in, in addition to talking about pedals, just like mechanized pedals and, and that sort of pedal pumping movement with a foot in the early, early human, you know, uh, textile industry of humanity's first industry. Um, I would say that with the advent of cars and specifically combustion engine cars, um, that this like feminine masculine dynamic, there's, there's something at play there with that. And of course, then the, the pumping motion, I think there's, um, and, and operating the pedals, which I think may extend and stretch back to, you know, like looms and spinning wheel era, sewing machine eras. Um, I think the more mechanized or more, you know, like a sewing machine uses electricity, but a car uses gas and it's like not plugged into the wall, right? There's kind of this like, it's a, it, it moves. It's not a static thing. I mean, we haven't even talked about piano pedals. I mean, there's so many kinds of pedals. There's pedal pumping. I'd love to talk more about some of these other like less discussed forms of pedal pumping. So if you are somebody who's into that or knows more about that, I would love to hear from you as well. But these are just kind of my musings on this. And I'm talking really broadly and generally. I mean, obviously, men can pump pedals. Uh, people like who identify as like a trans man or woman or non-binary person or gender fluid person or whatever. Like, And not just men are into pedal pumping. There's all kinds of genders and people that appreciate and love pedal pumping and are turned on by it. But I think in the tradition of pedal pumping, it kind of comes from, like we all live in this society of patriarchy and things being coded as male and female. So I think there's some reference to that in, in the fetish. I'm just gonna like put that out there as a hypothesis. I don't know for a fact. Sometimes I think I should, um, like go get a PhD in like, I don't know what it would be like psychology, sexual, like human sexuality or something and like do a deep dive on pedal pumping as like a dissertation thesis because I feel like somebody needs to, somebody needs to do it. Like some, we need to, I don't know, not that we need to, but I'm just so curious and thirsty for knowledge and understanding and history and human psychology and acceptance you know like if we could understand this in a way and like package it up in a way for people like just everyday people who, who do not who are unfortunate and don't have a pedal pumping fetish for them to kind of understand um or at least for to normalize it 
I think that's one of the goals of this podcast. Maybe I haven't stated that, but like just trying to, by talking about pedal pumping, we're just normalizing it. It's just, you know, it's not some weird thing. It's, it like has very, um, like it has a rich history and cultural tradition and it comes from somewhere and it's to be celebrated. And I feel so, um, I just feel so lucky and fortunate to be in this community that the community found me and welcomed me in and here I am and I just feel super lucky to be surrounded by cool people over on Patreon and our Patreon community and um, yeah so those are just my random thoughts. I don't have any emails to read this week but if you want to Here's some emails, then send me some emails. Otherwise, it's going to be just me rambling all the time. I'm going to be um, away for a little bit, and then I'll come back. Um, I'm planning to record um, a podcast for next week, but um, I'm going to Europe for a few days. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll come back with some pedal pumping tales from Europe. I have no idea. I'm not planning on doing any driving while I'm over there, but you never know. You never know what might happen. So I um, just want to say thanks and tell you how lucky you are to be a part of this legacy of pedal pumping. And let's create, uh, like, what do I want to say? Like, let's create a reference point, some documentation, share your stories so that we can kind of pass down to future generations. This podcast can kind of be an archive of our experiences, our thoughts, feelings, desires, and we can, we can leave a legacy of pedal pumping so that future generations aren't trying to figure out as car technology changes and just as the world changes, future generations aren't left trying to figure out where this comes from. Like, let's uh, leave a legacy. And, um, and I think we're doing that. I think people are doing that through pedal pumping content, through videos. You know, thing, those, those videos will last online. Um, and whatever you've got in your hard drive right now, you know, uh, make sure you label it and don't let it get erased. But I do think that, like, having discussions in addition to the content, in addition to like, you know, videos, it's good to have discussions and really talk about the deeper layers. And yeah, I'm just like grateful to be doing this with you guys. So thank you. Have a great week. Enjoy some hot, sexy pedal pumping, however you like it. We'll meet back here next week and we'll do it all again. Thanks guys. Bye.